20 square blocks. 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 20 square blocks. Yeah, okay, so... Uh, do, you to, do you want me to do that intro that again that you said you always forget, but then your machine didn't work? Yeah, so. okay, so this isn't good. We, 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 this is take two. <laughs> I just lost everything. <laughs> oh, well. We're good. This will, be, this will be better. All right. We all make mistakes. Big ones, small ones. Sometimes just a little advice from a coach like... Put fresh batteries in your recorder is all you need. So one, two, this is Trav. My name's Trav Munro. Trav here is an inspirational youth educator, life coach and motivational speaker. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I suppose you could say motivational law. It's run. not motivations, but more more lessons. Yeah, like, look, look, in a nutshell, not just coming in and motivating, motivating a group and leaving, um, but actually more longer term projects. One such project is Trav's Rite of Passage, a father-son bonding exercise that takes them into nature and away from the distractions of modern society. The program was inspired by his love for the outdoors that has been developing since he was a young boy. I spent a lot of time bushwalking as a kid, so from the age of about 13 or 14, um, you know, right up until when I joined the army at 17, I was my, my primary you know, um, joy was just being out bush. Reasonably remote parts of the Grampians was a lot was where I spent a lot of my time. Um, there's just some creeks up there that capture some massive amount of water at times. And I remember one night um, camping at this spot, and um, I could hear it raining. And then. Um, you know, I've woken up and I'm, I'm lying there and then all of a sudden it's like, hmm, the water seems to be making a little bit more noise than it did because... You know, yeah, I wonder why that would be. Yeah. You got your tent set up in a nice dry creek bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't quite the creek bed, but it was very close to the creek or to the river. And um, I couldn't, you couldn't hear it when it was raining because, you know, the noise of the rain on the, on the fly, you know, then sort of muffled the noise of the creek. So I've unzipped the, um, the tent. But this thing, this tiny little waterfall just went to this thundering, like. And that was, I remember just sitting there and feeling very insignificant. Yeah, it was just a a reminder that, you know, if I had have camped in the creek bed, which I wouldn't have, but if I had have, I would have been washed away. Jeez. And it, all, all in the space of less than 12 hours, you know, it was like just bang. Yep. I think what I just loved about being out bush was just, um, you know, like, you, you know, just the isolation and the fact that, you know, I had to rely on myself. Um, and, you know, this was before mobile phones. This was like dad had dropped me off and, yeah, I'll see you here Sunday, five o'clock and... How, how old are you at oh, this point? 16, you said, you know? 16, okay. So it'd be like, you know, um, you have a have a first aid kit and if you got bitten by a snake, you knew you'd just lie down and bandage yourself up. And But point being is like, you know, you couldn't take your phone. No. There was no, there was no phones. Yeah. So in Rite of Passage, you've chosen young men as your audience... Yeah, or, or the journey to becoming a man, yeah. Yep, so... Yep. Young boys or men. 10 yep. plus. 
Uh, yeah, somewhere around there. I'm wondering why that group? I think there's a number of uh, reasons. The first is that, you know, we have lost the ability to um, transition boys into um, healthy adults. Uh, and and this, I mean, look, all of this could be said about both genders, but we're talking, you know, about boys because that's the that's the area that I've focused focused some of my work on with rites of passage and stuff like that. Um, it was just something you chose. You didn't necessarily um, find this area was neglected or anything. Yeah, no, I think I did. I mean, t- to a degree, um, you know, my dad was my high school principal. Okay, so my f- my first day of high school was his first day as deputy principal at a school um and then you know we moved to uh horsham and so we were in, i was a new kid in town um, okay so how many beatings did you get i got quite a few no i did no I, I i would think you would no I, I, and i don't like to talk about it's not that i'm 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 quite i'm okay with the story like i i don't like to talk about it because i don't want to sound like a victim but i was bullied incessantly until i actually started to fight back yeah um and that was part of the problem as well is that you know then the the i became the bully and then the guilt that comes with that afterwards you know is is bad but it uh, this this story had or these con this was your hang on was your father a tough man no right so no, that's interesting so, so, so my, his his father was um the amateur bantamweight boxing champion of scotland so, he, so was he was tough. He was a tough man. So why why would people want to pick on you then if your father was not a tough man? As in, you know, he wasn't pouring out the punishments, was he? Well, he, he had at at Horsham he had to turn the school around. You know, they'd had a the principal there had been sick. Um, what I've been told after the fact is that you know he had to make some pretty hard decisions and and some of those you know worked into the student body. Like there was a a bunch of kids you know um, betting you know, playing pontoon with real money, you know, like, um, and these sorts of things. So he shut down some of that sort of stuff. But yeah, look, without, I don't want to sound like a victim, but yeah, I I was bullied a lot. But there's a saying that says that your greatest void leads to then your greatest value. And my greatest void was that I never felt like I measured up to my dad. So I was a shooter, a bushwalker, he was a tennis coach and um, loved all, all things sport. And none of this is a slide on my dad, right? This was all going. This is the story going on in my head as a kid. My father's an exceptional man. I love him to death. Um, but the story at the time was that I didn't measure up. And so you, so you couple that with the fact that you know um, we, he didn't say much. Um, and I would have loved him to have imparted more of his wisdom because he, he's very good with people. Um, but uh, I was just a kid with a chip on my shoulder and, and just didn't, didn't quite understand, you know, how things went. So you would have liked someone like yourself to actually impart some of this wisdom and wisdom. advice. Yeah, and, so, and, th- and this is the role of, I believe, like of within rites of passage and of elders within our society, you know, like is that... Um, one of the things I do on the Rite of Passage camps that I run with dads and their boys is I teach the dads how to tell stories. Yeah. Because we, I am of a firm belief now, 
having reached the age that I have, that we don't learn anything by anyone telling us anything. We really only learn by experience and observation. You're learning by the example your parents set. Yes. Um, I think the only time, and certainly that I can remember, when I saw um, my dad emotional and it gave me um, maybe permission as a, as a boy to be a little bit emotional was the Ash Wednesday bushfires. Here in Victoria, hundreds of firemen are fighting several major outbreaks throughout the state. Hundreds of people have been evacuated and several houses destroyed. A huge fire broke out near... We lived in the main street of Tarang. The car was packed. Um, we were ready to evacuate. My mum was a nurse. She was up evacuating the hospital and they were you know, taking patients um, somewhere else because that's where the fires were coming from. And, you know, it was... It was pretty full on. And a couple of days later, a friend of my dad's walked down our driveway. And as he saw my father, he just burst into tears. And I, and I saw these, this grown man, because he lost everything. Um, he, di- he forgot to unchain the dogs. And he had to live with, he went back to the, to the family farm and you know, like the dogs were still on their chains. In that moment, he couldn't live with what he'd done and felt like he'd made a bad decision. And he's crying, he'd lost everything, and he's crying in my dad's arms. And I, and I saw my dad, you know, like, hug another man and do that sort of stuff, you know. And, and it was like, oh, wow, you know. Um, when you have, when that example is stoic and that example is um, always in control and and doesn't say much then you don't learn about emotion you don't learn about you know some of these other sorts of things so in rites of passage you know you're sitting around a campfire how does that then translate into a life lesson? So, the, and this is the this is where storytelling comes in. So, so what I try and do is coach the dads to you know be a bit of a storyteller and not be prescriptive, not be oh this is how you've got to do it, you know, but just tell the story and give the boy a visceral experience. And then when they have that visceral experience, one they'll remember it, and two. They'll be able to apply those lessons. They'll, they'll, they'll draw conclusions themselves and they'll apply those things to their own lives in the way that they see fit rather than the dad going, this is what you have to do. That's a really, that's a really big message and something that everyone wouldn't realise, I guess, until they're much older. There's something very humbling about sitting and hearing a father or seeing a father and a son connect in a new way and finding out, you know, all of these little things that they're battling with. You know, like we never, I don't think in this society that we stop enough and actually have those conversations. Do you mean always or just recently or...? I don't think the problem, the actual fundamental problem has changed. I think the fundamental problem is communication. But I think the how that looks has changed. We had a generation, my father's generation, that didn't say much because the generation before him, had all they'd all been to war, you know, and life's good, son, you know, so what have we got to complain about? 
um, and what have we got to really talk about? And and you know they didn't talk. So, but now we've got this prolification of information and of you know um, of being told that we should ask everyone, "Are you okay?" And we should do all of this, and we should do all of this. But the the problem's still the same that that we're disconnected. But we we're disconnected now, not because we actually um, we we don't. We, we, those conversations are on our radar, but we're now distracted by a whole lot of stuff. Sorry, I just got to check my phone. I, I, I think I got uh, the message. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, no, exactly. So I don't think we've, um, you know, I mean, you know, my daughter, when we go away on holidays, can log onto a laptop and watch whatever she wants to watch on Netflix. You know, when mum and dad, we were sitting there watching the telly, if it was BTV6 or the ABC, you didn't have... You didn't have more than one tally in the house and you certainly didn't have, you know, all of the TV channels and then you certainly didn't have all of the ability, the devices and the streaming services and all of that sort of stuff. You know, we have to work really hard as a family um, to actually find something that we can all watch together, you know. And the moment the girls go, oh, no, I'll watch something else, off they go. You know, they watch it on their laptop, you know. They can watch it on the TV upstairs. So all of those things, in my humble opinion, and I'm not, I'm not like going, oh, it's bad, it's bad, it's really, really bad, but it, they just get in the way of some of those conversations that need to happen. And that's why when we go bush or when we go, when you go away on a camp, so it's different. And when, when there's something different happening, it allows for, for different things to come up there's a significant moment in a boy-father relationship that um, stays because some things were said, because a place was created where they could be said, and it doesn't mean they have to be said all the time. But we do need to hear it. I talked about Bruce Springsteen, and his whole issue was with his dad. That's where all of his music came from. His dad was a manic, depressive alcoholic, um, just before his father died he said oh pop you know um which songs do you like you know because he'd always given them all the records but they never spoke about the music and and his dad springsteen says that his dad's reply was oh the ones about me you know and, and springsteen says that's all that's all he ever, that's all he needed it was just that that one one conversation with his dad you know Thanks to Trav Munro. If you would like to see what he's up to, go to travmunro.com. Music by Ryan Goodwin. Hear more of his music at virtuallyryan.com. Thanks to Anne Mearson for her additional writing, assistant editing and great advice. Logo designed by Chris Frith and editing by Ricky Cheno. And thanks to H-Studios for the use of their studios. I'm Ben Plaza, and this is 20 Square Blocks.